Okay, we are in part three of a series called Life's Healing Choices, and we're very grateful that uh, Pastor Rick... Um, no. Are you reading my notes? I was going to get there. Pastor Rick Warren at Salback Church uh, lent these to us, and we're so glad. It's called Life's Healing Choices. Uh, and why would Bethany be doing a series on life healing and choices like that? Um, well, because uh, for the most part, if you look around, uh, the people in this room are more or less uh, train wrecks, right? Would you agree that that's true, uh, that the person you're married to or sitting next to is a, is a train wreck? Would you? Yeah. So, no, I'm serious. Um, there is pain here. There is hurt here, right? If you have experienced pain, significant pain, if you've been wounded, just like put your hand in the air in some way. Yeah, look around. Look around. If you are a hurting person, you have found the right place. Bethany is a place uh, for people who are doing that. Um, you're in a good place, you know? Um, if you're just a guest with us and you're visiting, I just want you to know that, that for the most part... Uh, this is just a big family of hot messes, right? But we have a great, great God. And that makes all the difference. So, um, you know, though, that you and I have gotten pretty good at hiding our hurts. And what we do is we disguise them. And, and, and as a result of that, we come up with these habits, you know, and hurts and hang-ups and things on our lives, these harmful habits. And, and these habits are an attempt to medicate or mask uh, these hurts, right? And, and when we see somebody, either ourselves or somebody we're connected to with a harmful habit, we say, well, that's just a character flaw. But I want, you to, I want you to know that it's more than a character flaw. Here it is. That bad habit is really the hurt and the pain that hasn't been dealt with, screaming out, I'm hurting, Right? We need to know that that's what it is. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. What we do is we ignore the hurt and we try to address the habit. And the more that we ignore the hurt, we, we just look at the habit. It doesn't matter what the habit is, right? That it doesn't matter what it is. It's disguising the hurt. It might be for you spending or drinking or drugs or sex or porn or shopping or gaming or lying or, or uh, maybe overeating or um, listening to country music. I don't know what. Oh. i got to see if you're listening, Rick Warren. I think you were the first one to say that. I was going to get it, too. Speaking up in church might be a problem. I don't know. But the point is that our habits are always going to be screaming until we address the hurt until we address the hurt. Now, what a lot of us do is we just say, well, I got to stop doing this, whatever that this is, right? And if we're able to do that, that's a huge if, then if we're able to conquer that, what we do is we just exchange it for another one because it's not doing its job of, of masking over the hurt, right? And we can't. That's a dark pattern of, of hopelessness. But really, there is great news today. The good news is that we can make some healing choices, and that's what we're, we're, that's what we're doing. So, so here's what this whole thing 
is about, this whole series. Um, see if you would go for this. To heal your hearts and experience greater joy, deeper peace, more enriching relationships, and more wisdom so you can live out your God-given potential. Can, can you get on board with that? Would you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Everybody would. So what we're going to do is this eight-week series, you're in week three, we're going to break this down into eight smaller bites, eight smaller choices. Here we go. Here's week one, if you were with us. It's the reality choice. We've got to realize I'm not God. Admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Now, I don't want to diminish this for some of you. For some of you, this is huge. Why? Because in some respects, you think you're God. Like, like you wouldn't come out and say, I'm God, no. But you live, and, and, and I have a tendency to live as if we were our own God, right? We want to be in control of everything. We want to determine what's right, what's wrong. What's going to make us happy is what's going to fulfill us, right? I, I want to control my money. I want to control other people. I want to control the future. I want to control this. I want to control my destiny. I want to, that's being your own God. And that the reality choice is we are not that. Look, I know that I am not God. If I, was, if I was God, do you think I would be driving a hoopty mobile Honda parked on the side of the church? I don't think so. <clears throat> if I was God, would I one month ago have stood before you in this very space and preached an entire message with my fly down? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. There are other things that are wrong with me too. You know, we are just scratching the surface. But I could so agree. All right, that's enough. I could so agree with the Apostle Paul who wrote this. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. When I want to do good, I don't. When I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Anybody here but me relate to that? Right? So we need help. And that's where we go, to hope choice. That's number two. That's second week, second choice, to earnestly believe that God exists, that he is crazy in love with me, regardless of my brokenness, and he alone has the power and the desire to help me change and transform me, change me into something wonderful and beautiful. Those two realities, right? I am not God, and I'm broken beyond belief. I can't manage myself, but I got a God who loves me, who has the power and wants to do something about it. He not only created me, he created the way to wholeness and health in him, right? So that's choice one, that's choice two. Just choice one and choice two, they're nice, but they're not going to change much, right? We need something more. Just knowing choice one and choice two is not going to transform us, right? It's not going to turn our hot mess into a happy meal. It's just not going to do it. We need more than that. Because you and I know there are things that we know that don't change things, don't bring transformation. You and I know that we could randomly select 11 people sitting here in this very room, slap on shoulder pads, and have beaten the Broncos last Sunday. You know this. You, Vance Joseph knows this. But just knowing that doesn't change things, doesn't help the Broncos tomorrow night against the Chiefs. You understand? Just knowing that I'm not God and He is and He's good, that's not going to bring us the transformation that we need. 
Satan knows that. Look where it got him. There needs to be something else that we do with this knowledge. And thankfully, there is a third choice. That's where we go. And this all comes, uh, let, me, let me give you a preview. Of what the, we call this the commitment choice. This is week three. This is the commitment choice. To consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. And this is important because everything that we do in this series from this point out hinges on this. You do this, the rest is open to you. You don't want to do this, um, then you're wasting your time. And it all hinges on what we do here. And this comes from Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5 called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are eight sayings of Jesus, eight teachings. Um, and he's telling us how to be blessed, how to be supremely happy. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says this, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You say, what's the big deal about that? Well, in his day, this was a huge deal. See, he's speaking to the Jews, and the Jews were very spiritually prideful, right? They wanted a uh, uh, God to come in and put them above everybody else. They're going to be the, the, the chosen, and they're going to be like on top. And, and, and Jesus comes in, and he's got a different bag of goods, right? I mean, they don't want Jesus, right? They don't want meek. They want macho. They don't want Jesus. They want Braveheart. Right? They want him slapping blue paint on his face. You know, freedom! Right? They want, they want political rebellion, revolutionary. He's like spiritual revival. Right? And they're saying, look, meek and gentle does not conquer the mighty Roman Empire, the biggest empire in the world. And Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Huh? Well, some of us don't really understand what that means, and some of us do, and we still don't want to embrace it because meek is not um, meek is not very cool in our eyes, you know, as a culture. I mean, any of you who played sports, the coach has never said, "Get on that field and you go and you be as gentle as a dove, right?" And you go, you go after that team, you go after your opponent, and you nurture them. Did your, did your coach ever say that? No! No! But, being a follower of Jesus, meekness is not an option. So, in the original, in the original Greek, the language of the Bible, um, the word is preus, right? It's not preus. That's a different thing. That's the topic of a different message. But preus has different meanings. On the, sur- on the surface, it means gentle, mild. Right? And so that is what a lot of us think. That's what a lot of us think that meek is. And so people who only look at the surface and they like the caricature and, and stereotype Christians, you know, they're kind of wimpy. They don't have a spine and they don't stand for anything. And they wear a lot of polyester. They, they eat a lot of Chick-fil-A. They say praise the Lord all the time. No, no, that, that's the vision of meek. But if we get deeper under the, the, the level of what prayus means, here's, here's, here's what that means. I want, I want to give it to you. It, it is to describe a powerful animal whose natural wild impulses and spirit have been broken by a trainer. Why be broken by a trainer? So, so it can be useful. 
right? Once you think of a, a stallion, right? A, a, a muscular, powerful horse, right? That can run like the wind and pull anything, like, and, and plow a field. And it's just majestic. But I want you to look at that trainer that breaks that horse so that it can do this. This is not a picture of weakness. This is a picture of strength that is controlled, right? So I want this for your definition for your worship. Meek is strength under control. That's the tame stallion. That's what we're talking about. Being meek is more than just being nice, right? It, it is not lacking conviction. It's deep conviction. It is Deep, powerful conviction with a gentle spirit that comes from the Spirit of God. It's not just us deciding we're going to be meek. In fact, the spirit of meekness is the spirit of Jesus. Jesus just didn't say, blessed are the meek. He gave us an example of how to live meek. And, and, and here's what Peter, one of his best friends, said about him. Jesus, who suffered for you, is your example. Follow in his steps. He never sinned and he never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Meekness, that is it. That has always been God's way for humanity. Think of Moses, right? Moses, mighty Moses. Like Charlton Heston, Right? Could, could, could kick anybody's butt. Old people, describe, explain that to the younger people after the service. John Heston, Moses led the Jews out of slavery, out of Egypt. Here's what the Bible, Numbers 12, says about Moses. Now the man, Moses, was very meek. Mighty Moses. More than all men that were on the face of the earth. This. With God, meek wins. Meek rocks. He's saying, my man Moses is meek. I'm going to use him in mighty, sea parting ways. Stronger than Egypt. It's incredible. That's what I'm, that is the heart I want. That is the heart I use. Meek. And, and then we fast forward to the New Testament. We have Jesus who says, blessed are the meek. Most important servant. Why? Because he's calling us to a different life. A life that transcends what most people either settle for or, or go to, you know, or strive for. He's calling us to, um, to be meek in all our ways. He, and this is not a light switch thing where we say, okay, that makes sense. I'm going to be meek. Look at me. I'm meek now. I'm meek. No, no. Something has to happen to us to, to allow us to do that. So something has to drive the transformation for you and me to have our minds, our hearts, our souls become meek in this way. So here it is. We're going to break meekness down. We say meekness means I acknowledge God's holiness. I acknowledge God's holiness. When I look at myself in the light of who God is, I am humbled by his awesomeness, by his worthiness, by his holiness, by his power, I am, and there's more to it. It is, I acknowledge God's holiness and meekness is knowing who I really am. Now, I am not talking about, you got to know who you are. Like this, this self-help, this, the, you know, 
things where, where they think you got to know who you are and you got people strutting around thinking they're all that, they're pride and arrogant and they give you a complimentary phone holster with it. And, you know, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about strutting. I'm talking about knowing who you really are in light of who God really is. I'm going to go personal, all right? You want to know who I really am? Thomas Francis Burgraff Jr. I am a sinner in light of who God is. I struggle in many ways. I often hurt people with the things that I say. I struggle with depression and self-loathing. And yet, at the same time, pride. Huh, sounds confusing, doesn't it? And yet it's true. Yeah, there are a lot of things about me I don't like. I often use food to do for me what only God should do for me, what only God can do for me. I am the original Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And now some of you are thinking, I'm so glad you're my pastor. (laughs) What you should be thinking is, wow, he sounds just like me. Yeah. Who I really am, in light of who God really is, is not all that. And yet, we've been parents for 30 years. Our, our youngest turned 30. I know you're thinking, and you're only 40. Mm. Yeah. I, I, so, but I, I will tell you that in that 30 years, uh, culture, culture tries to make sense of this without God. And it does it in crazy ways, right? So culture in those 30 years, we're, we're on like affirmation. Every, affirmation. Every, you're perfect. You're just perfect. Just however you are, whatever you do, you're just perfect. You're just perfect. We write songs about it. And that's what, if we just tell everybody that they're perfect, they're going to, it's, you're perfect. Right? Yeah. Our kids aren't buying it. 30 years. Do you know what the number one and number two killer of young people is? Number one, alcohol and drug abuse. That is escape. Those are people who've been told they're perfect, who know they're not. But culture doesn't have a solution for that. doesn't have a box to put that in. The third is suicide. That is the ultimate escape. How's it working to call something imperfect perfect in the name of love? No, I know who I am. And that is not perfect. I know who God is. And he is perfect. And the only thing perfect about me is that I am perfectly loved in my imperfection. And that perfect God says, I got the perfect strength to heal you. But until I heal you, you are still loved perfectly. And that, my friends, is something you're not going to find culture telling you. And those two things are true. God, your God, Deuteronomy says, is the God of all gods. He's the master of all masters. A God immense and powerful and awesome. And he is all that. And I am not. I am in need of that God. That's what's true of me. And that's what's true of him. But meanness is not just his holiness. Meanness is just not me knowing who I am. Meekness is confidence in whose I am. Right? You ready for the strut? Here is, in light of who I am and who he is, 
Here is whose I am. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a son of the Almighty. Unworthy, but forgiven and loved immeasurably. I am a child of God. Because Jesus came for me, died for me, rose for me. So as Scripture says, I have trusted His finished work on the cross to erase all of my debt, all of my sin, all of my shame. And in His eyes, I am pure and perfect even in my brokenness. Even as He works in me to transform me from the man I have made myself into the man He created me to be. That is meekness. I am not a creation. I am a child of God. Now, the world, this planet, has 7.6 billion people sticking to the dirt. Right? Those are creations. I am in a different category. I am a child. Adopted and welcomed. Not because of what I have done, but for what He has done on my behalf. And that offer is open to you. You might be in that different category too. Because this is an awesome scripture. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. I mean believes it. That's the child of God. Man you're royalty. That's whose you are. So you can know who you are. And whose you are. In light of God's holiness. That's meekness. So you want to strut. You strut about him. Not about me. Or you. Right? That's meekness. So we need that meekness because without meekness, I'm going to behave like I'm my own God. Without meekness, I'm not going to be dependent on Christ. Without meekness, I'm going to turn it all over Him. So um, what we're going to do uh, is this third commitment that we talked about. Um, in, in a couple of minutes, I'm, I'm going to ask you to make that commitment. I'm not going to ask you to read that commitment or think about I'm going to ask you to make it. I don't want to bait and switch. This is what it's about. I'm going to ask you to do that. You're not forced to do that, but this is what's on the table. So we're going to talk through it. We're going to break it down into little pieces. And we said the first word, if you see it on your worksheet, is consciously. I'm going to consciously. Next to that word, consciously, on your worksheet, I want you to write this. It is my decision. Consciously means it's my decision. It's not a decision somebody else made for me. Like, I, I talk to people all the time. Like, of course I'm a Christian. I was baptized as a baby. Like, my, my parents drug me to church all the time. Of course I'm a Christian. Right? Uh, my uncle's a pastor. I'm like, oh, 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 okay. No, this is your decision. You got to own this. Somebody else might have made this decision, but this is my decision. That's consciously. That's with your choice. Okay, next is choose to commit. It's the next part in your worksheet. I want you to write this next to it. Over and over. If you feel like keeping writing, you can write over and over and over and over. This is 24-7, 365, I choose to commit. I'm, I'm going to make that choice for Jesus over and over and over. I'm just like, um, yeah, I made a commitment to Jesus uh, January of 1997. So, yes, I'm good. No, 
Um, you're not good. we got to do this over and over and over. Why? Because we have decisions to make. We have words to say. We have people to love. We have work to do. And in all of those things, we got to choose, is it my road, his road? My path, his path. My agenda, his agenda. You've got to choose, choose, Choose. We're not talking about salvation now, right? That's a that's a that's a decision. But this is walking in that reality and in that victory. I got to choose over and over and over again. Every time I meet somebody, every time I talk to somebody, every time I, I face anything, am I going to do it my way? I'm going to do it his way. That's the question: my way or God's way? God's way way better. Here's the thing. Here's what we're caught in. Do you realize? Scripture says that whatever you choose to obey becomes, look right here, becomes your, what's that word? Master. It owns you. You can choose sin. You can choose my, my path, my agenda, my way. But that leads ultimately to death. Or you can choose to obey God and receive his approval. Look, that is what we're doing. That, that is our life. Look, 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 look right here. Like, Rouse yourself. Just wake up for a little bit. Then you doze off again. Um, there is something in your life. There is something in your life, and I don't care what you call it, whether you call it a sin or a habit or hang up or hurt. There is something in your life that owns you right now. That is your master. And, and Jesus is saying, you can choose me instead as your only master. And I will set you free from that thing that thinks it has a claim on your life. I don't care how tightly it has held you. I don't care how long it has held you. I'm going to hold you for eternity and I am stronger than this thing. Amen? You are dealing with something in this category right now. And, and, and we, need to, we need to do this. I'm going to... Like, this is not just get ready for Sunday and make this stuff up, right? No, this is a prayer I'm going to share with you that helps me. I use it every day that I breathe with the stuff I struggle mostly with, right? And you can use it. It's on your sheet. Here it is. Blank, right? Whatever you're struggling with, my sin, my struggle, you fill that in. I don't need to know it. Is not my master. Jesus is my master, right? Anger. That's not my master. When you when you having thoughts, just in the beginning, that's not my master. Jesus is my master. Right? And you don't have to say it out loud. Sometimes when I think I'm alone, I say that out loud, I find out I'm not alone, and people go, what, what? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, because I work in a building with only women, and like sometimes I go, I'll, I'll walk in the bathroom, and I think I'm there, and there's a visitor right there, and he's finding out that this thing is not my master. Jesus is my, because I'm going to say it out loud. It's all right. You do this. More power than you know. I'm telling you. I'm telling you you do that. All right. All right. So I consciously choose to commit. Here's the biggie. All my life, all my will. Next to that, I want you to write this. Everything. Everything. You and I get hung up on this everything. Right? Right? It's all this word, all. I commit all my life, all my will. Why we get hung up on that? Jesus, Jesus gave his all for you. 
You want his all in you without giving him your all? That's kind of what we want, right? No, it's got to be everything. It's got to be everything. It's not my words. I didn't make this up. He said it. He said it. Jesus said, no one can be my disciple who giving up everything for me. And here's how we do it. Oh, Jesus. Here's a leaf. Here's another leaf. Here's a little branch. And no, Jesus wants your whole tree cut down. Because he's got a new, a new growth. He's got a new you, a new identity, a new creation. And that's where the win is, right? You give it all up and you get so much more back. That is what it is. We get hung up on this. Look, it's a great deal. There's complete forgiveness, power, comfort, restoration, hope, and deliverance. But it is only for those who completely surrender to Jesus. That's the truth. It's not my truth. It's his truth. Right? He transforms what you surrender. And, and the reason we have a problem with this and the reason we hang on to these hurts, habits, and hang-ups throughout our lives is because we condominiumize our lives, right? This is yours, God, and this is mine. I think I know what's going to make me happy over here, right? Because Jesus is a piece of our lives, but there are many pieces. Jesus ain't no peace. And the reason you don't have a peace is because he's only a piece. He's God. The reason you suck another breath is because he allows it. He's a piece of my life? Really? He said, no, no, no. I am life. And here, you're scolding me for not blessing something that you have kept from me. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. That's our life. And he says, I got you. I am not going to respond in anger. I respond in love. I got that covered. I just come home. Come home and stop playing. It's all or nothing. And this is for the people who say, okay, I'm all in. And I'm going to need to get you home. Um, final piece of that commitment choice is Christ's care and control. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender to Christ's care and control. Next to that, I want you to write, he loves me. He loves me. His care. He cares about you. Look, some of you are just here to know that he is madly in love with you. You needed to be here to hear only this. That no matter who you are, what you've done, no matter what your past is, no matter what your junk, he loves you. You are lovesick for, heartsick for his love. And it's there. It's here. You can have it. Right? The more... The more that you open yourself up to that, the more you want it, the more you surrender, the more you get, okay? Some of you, that's all you need to know. You just, you just need to know that. That's it's why you came. It's why he brought you here. But, but others, you know, you, you need to know that he cares. He cares. You've got, you got a relationship breakdown. He knows. He cares. You say, I'm wounding. I'm, I'm hurting. No, people raise their hand, but this is real for me. And it says, by his wounds, he was wounded in your place. And, and, and you can be healed. He understands. He cares. You have a relationship breakdown. He cares. You have a financial struggle. He cares. You have an emotional issue, sexual issue. He cares.
cares. He's here. You have uh, anxiety over a certain area of your life, over every area of your life. He cares. We abandon ourselves to a God who loves and cares and is sovereign. I was, I was balled up early this week, like it was Monday, and just all the things that were not in place in my work and at home, and at the end of the day, they were just wait. You ever had, had a day like that? It was just the weight. And let me tell you, none of it was that big a deal, but it was the weight. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like thinking, wait a minute. You know, you're behaving like somebody who doesn't have a God who cares. You're behaving like somebody who doesn't have a God who loves you. Get this off. That is not your mess. He's your mess. Get it right. Nothing changed except me. He changed my heart. He changed my mind. I'm going home. I'm like, yeah, I'm running a parade. I got the same problems I had when I was like, and now he can work through me to bring some solution, right? Some hope. That's what happens. That's what happens. He cares. I want you to, if you memorize a verse, you're going to get that prayer. You're going to do that, right? This is not my master. Jesus is my master. Do it. I'm telling you. It's like a loaded gun, man. And you'll be shooting your, your masters, like, like, like the sins, not in people or nothing. Don't, don't. And my pastor told me, no. No. All right, where are we? This is what I want you to remember. Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary, hands up, overburdened, hands up. I will give you rest. I need that. Huh. In the midst. Like, you don't have to schedule this. It's not just, that'll give your heart and your mind rest from all the anxiety, from all the worry, from all the pain. And in that, I can work, right? Blessed are the meek. You're going to be a stallion under control, right? I think, I think we just need to look at the whole thing. Happy are the meek. He says, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. You do this. Next five weeks, you're going to see breakthrough in your life. You can do it. He can do it through you. I want you to be here, but if you're not going to go there, the, the things that we're going to share, really, you, you can't skip that. You, you just can't. And I think, I think if, like, you and I went out to eat, because I like to do that, after church and we're, like, like face-to-face, burger-to-burger, right? We're going to talk, and I'm going to tell you about my pain and my hurts, and you tell me about yours. I think we would connect on that level. I, I think if I asked most of you, are you in a place, are you ready to do this, consciously choose to commit your life and your will completely to Christ's care and control? I believe most of us would say, yeah, I'm ready. I, I know some friends who, who feel it ha- has to be better than the life that I'm living right now. It just has to. And, and there are countless people in this church who would tell you, I've walked that, and yes, it is better. Right? So, um, it's like a lot of us are, to paraphrase like C.S. Lewis, it's like uh, a lot of us are living our lives, sitting down, playing in a bare dirt field. And we think we got it made. 
right? Because we're doing pretty well. We got other people. We got things that we do. We got uh, accessories, but this is our life. And Jesus comes along and said, I made you for more than this. I have more than this for you. In fact, I have a kingdom that I made for you and in which I will make you increasingly, ever increasing free and loving and joyful. And, and oh, by the way, it's, it's more love and more joy and more peace than you've ever experienced or dreamed. But I'm not going to force you to go there. I'm going to invite you. Um, I bought your ticket. And some of us would rather play in the bare dirt field. And he says, I created you for more. I saved you for more. So here's what I, I want. Um, I want a better life than I've ever dreamed of. I want that for you. I want that for you. That's what Jesus wants for you. He said, I came that they might have real and eternal life more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Here's the question. Will you? Will you? Not just agree. Not just read it. Will you commit to it? Right? You've got you to be humble. We've got to get to the point where we're saying, I, I'm not it. It's not going to happen in all the ways I try to make it happen. The way I'm doing life ain't working. I, I, I think the author of life is my ticket. Right? So will you? I want you to look at the bottom of your sheet. It says, my choice. If you have never said your yes to God, if you have never before said yes to God to rush in and forgive you and cleanse you and give you a new mind and a new heart and new desires and set you free and be your master, I want you to write, I will, and circle it. Circle it. This is your first time saying, yes, I'm going to trust you, God. I am not God and you are. And the only way I can change, the only way my hope is, I will. And circle it. And in your mind, I want you to look at that circle. I want you to think of God's love encircling you. It has no beginning, no end. And you're going to explore that and experience that now and everlasting. That you begin that journey today. And, and, and there's a lot of people here. Lot, most of my friends here would say, Tom, I've already done that. I've already crossed the line. I'm past that. Yeah, I get it. But here's what I also get. If you're anything like me, you're not where you ought to be. And you've slidden. And you've fallen away. And you've forgotten. Or you slacked off. I don't care what word you use. I want to... I need to repeatedly recommit. And so I'm asking you to do the same. I'm asking you to recommit. Say, I will. And rather than circle it, draw a line under it. That's saying, I have already crossed the line. But I am returning and I am strengthening that foundation of trust. I am recommitting everything. Everything. Not a piece. Everything. And that is the gateway to every good thing God wants to do 
in your life. Heavy stuff, but real stuff. He just wants to love you and set you free. Some of you are taking that to the bank. Let's pray. God, you're good. I want to thank you for my friends. I want to thank you for the joy of being alive, being here. Lord, there are some friends here who, who wrote, you know, I will. I'm going to commit, Lord, all my will and all my life. They're, they're here for the first time, Lord. And I, I want you to um, just help them. Make this your prayer, my friend. Um, Lord, the best I know how, I am turning from my life without you or my life with you as a peace. And I am giving my all. I, I surrender all to you, Lord. I, I believe that you came for me. I believe that you went to the cross for me to suffer for my sins so I might be forgiven and washed clean and be adopted like Tom talked about and be part of your family. I, I want that. Lord, I give everything to you because it's already yours. And I, I want to follow you. I'm not sure how to do it, but I'm telling you, you got my yes and you got my all. And I'm doing this only in response to the fact that you have already given me your all. And now I know that. Thank you. And Lord, there, there's an army of us here who, Lord, we have crossed that line. We know we're in your family, but we left, we left home a little bit. Lord, uh, some area or areas of our lives, or our hearts and our minds, and it's penance anymore, uh, but, but, but we're drawing the line. We're saying we're, we're recommitting right now, all of it, because we have forgotten how sweet it is to be desperate. We forgot who we are, and we forgot whose we are, but we know now, and we want all that you want for us and through us. Thank you that you never let go, even when we try to. Lord, uh, for everyone who is at different areas, different steps of this walk, that you're there with all of us. And you're drawing us closer together to support and encourage one another, closer to you. Here's a thank you for the victory that's ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you.